Good evening and welcome to Relationship Game Changers, the call. My name is Kim Moore and I'm so excited that you're here taking part and sitting at the Lord's table with me, with us. And uh, my gosh, I just appreciate you guys so much. Can you, can you hear me? Are you able to hear me? Hopefully you guys can hear. Can you hear me? Amy, are you able to hear me? We had some challenges yes. with technology. Yes. Okay, I'm awesome. Yeah. You. Praise God. Praise God. We had some challenges with technology earlier. So, Father God, we commend this technology into your hands now. Lord, it is for your glory, for your use, and the benefit of your people. And so, Father, we command and declare that it works for us. We do not work for it. And so, Father, we just thank you and we praise you for continuing to be Lord over this call and the Lord over each soul that comes on this call. We bless you and we thank you, Father, that you're drawing your people close to yourself. And you said if we draw near to you, that you would draw near to us. And so I thank you, God, for every Wednesday we come together to praise your name, to laugh, and to draw near to you that you might draw near to us. Lord, I just bless you and I thank you for every new caller and all those that are faithfully on this call. I appreciate you for them, Father, and I give them their souls back to you. Now cause your your servant, Lord, to speak your truth as your oracle. God, put a bit in my mouth and a bridle in my tongue that your heart is conveyed to your people, that your love, God, is infused in your word, God. I thank you and I praise you, Holy Spirit, for you are indeed the helper, God. You are indeed the helper, leading and guiding us into all truth. Now, Father, my desire is that you set your people free, for your kingdom is about setting people free. You came to set people free. And so I pray, God, that this word would be a battering ram to all that's not like you, Father God, and all that is redeemable in us. God, calls this word to draw it from us, that we might, Lord, give you the inheritance, do your name. We bless you and thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. Again, whether this is your first time or 50th time, I don't know how long. we've been doing this call for almost three years now. And so uh, for those of you who have been with us that long, thank you so much for your love, your support, your gifts. Uh, they're encouraging, and they are a blessing, and we appreciate you so much just for your notes, your prayers, everything, and also those that pray before the call. What a joy you are to my soul. You lift my soul. When I hear you laughing, when I hear you just fellowshipping in the spirit of God. Oh, my gosh. Laughter brings healing to the soul. And so thank you so much for your laughter, your joy, your unfeigned joy. Uh, It seems like when one of you break out in laughter, all of you break out in laughter. It's like infectious. And I mean, it's just amazing. And so I thank you so much for your faith, your love, and your constancy in this particular assignment. And uh, so tonight, I want to continue to talk about wisdom. I continue to believe that what the body of Christ needs more than anything right now is the wisdom and understanding of God to know how to negotiate life. I believe that wisdom is the difference between where you are and where you want to be and where God has assigned you. Wisdom is the difference because wisdom is the way. And so we thank God. We thank God that he has provided wisdom. He said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him come and ask of him, and he would give it to us freely without finding fault with us. And so we can come and we can ask for wisdom and not feel like we're going to be beat up or, you know, chastised. Uh, Because when we come and ask for wisdom out of a sincere heart, God's delight in his desire is to supply that need according to his riches and glory. So ask, ask, ask. I'm starting to ask God everything, even words that I hear all the time, you know, things like, um, you know, even encouraging words that you hear repeatedly, you know, it's your time or, or, you know, God is about to move. You know, I appreciate the encouragement, but I'm beginning to ask God about everything. You know, the, the, the one with all the questions. I mean, you know, my question, if I had a question growing up, I was always asking why. 
Why? Why does it have to be this way? Why are they doing that? Well, why? And why? Why? And people kind of get irritated with why questions because why questions go to the heart of a matter. If you ever really want to understand someone's heart, one of the ways you can do that is begin to ask why questions. And when they answer you, ask why. I guarantee you they will either be appreciate you pulling and being uh, interested in them at that level, or they will become irritated by you. But either way, you'll know what you're working with. That is, a, that is a benefit of wisdom. Wisdom will answer the why questions. It also answers the how question. And so ask God for wisdom. Ask him why. Ask him how. I, I mean, all the time, thank him for giving you the reason, for giving you the answers, for showing you how. And um, I just believe that he wants to do that. He wants to give his people understanding in this hour. He wants to give people understanding, not just an emotional feel-good pill, but he wants his people to understand. Because when we understand, we are best able to cooperate with him intentionally. And, oh, my gosh, God wants us to be so aware of him and to cooperate with him uh, out of awareness and out of intention, not by accident. And so I just encourage you uh, just to ask him for wisdom constantly. There are two kinds of wisdom. The wisdom of this world, you'll find this in James. The wisdom of this world is sensual, demonic, and self-serving. So you can evaluate advice you're getting. One of the ways you can evaluate it, is it sensual, is it demonic, and is it self-serving? Does it serve the individual? But God's wisdom, the wisdom we are asking him for, is the wisdom that comes from above that is pure. It's without mixture. It's peaceful. It's gentle. And it's open to reason. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that? God is going to give us wisdom, and yet he said he's open to reason. I never even thought about God like that. Think about that. God is giving us wisdom, the wisdom from above, the wisdom that comes from him is pure, it's peaceful, it's gentle, and it's open to conversation. So he wants us to ask. He wants us to engage him. And the Bible says it's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and it's sincere. That sounds like the love of God to me. That sounds like a great explanation of the love of God. Oh, my gosh. But the thing that, that really piques my attention as I'm reading this uh, in front of me, that the words that pique my attention is that it's open to reason. And that's another message. But just think about that for a moment, that God wants to have a conversation with you about things he's telling you. And sometimes he may give us the reason. Sometimes he may ask us to engage, and then we find understanding. Mm -mm -mm. And, you know, I've heard the saying, you know, seek not to understand, but believe that you will understand and you will. And when we ask God for wisdom and believe that we understand it, he will supply it. He wants us to be understanding and wise and not ignorant in this world. And as I said, wisdom is the difference between where you are and where you want to be, whether it's in your work, in your ministry, in your personal life, or in your relationships. Wisdom is the game changer. It is the why and it is the how. Sometimes when you understand why, you know how to participate uh, or how to respond to a particular situation uh, or a particular person. And so, you know, it's just, it's just vital. Wisdom is about the transformation of your soul and your life. See, when your soul changes, your life will change. That's why John said, Beloved, I wish above all things you would prosper and be in health even as your soul or in the same degree or to the degree that your soul is prospering. So it's no wonder to me we're hearing many messages on the soul and many messages on the need to be free and to declare our freedom uh, of our soul and to be uh, healed, cleansed of any idolatry or the things that are going on in our soul. <clears throat> I also think it's interesting. And, and tonight, let me just tell you what I'm going, to, I'm going to do. I want to give you six things 
that accompany wisdom. Six things. And I'll tell you when I get to number one, but I want you to know where we're going so you can have a capsule or something to carry this, this message away so that you can go sit with the Lord and unpack it for yourself again. Um, but, you know, the word of God says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is a double-edged sword. It pierces, it divides the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and it distinguishes the thoughts from the intentions or the thoughts from the motivation or the, what you think from why you're thinking it, what you're doing from why you're doing it. God is looking at us. The Holy Spirit looks at us at that level. It says that man judges according to the outward appearance, but God judges according to the heart. For all of a man's ways seem right in his own eyes, but God evaluates the heart. And sometimes our heart can be wrong. Our soul can be in, in can be wrong, and yet we can be saying all of the right things. Oh, my gosh. And so while we might be impressive to people, we become a stench with mixture in the nostril of God. I don't know about you, but I want my soul to be pure. I want to be, I want to have integrity. When there's bias in my life and I'm talking to someone, I want to be able to say, you know what, I have a certain bias in this. And so you need to consider that, whether else I'm going to hold my peace or if I am in a conversation, I'm going to say, you know what, I have a bias. Amy and I work together, and, and she, will be, she would tell you that if I sense that there is a bias in me toward a particular thing, I'll put that right on the table. I'm going to say what I think, but it is also out there for her to decide and for her to have the full information of what I understand I'm bringing to the process. That's the difference between a professional and a layperson or someone that's mature enough. Everyone has biases. If you say you don't have a bias, then what you're also saying is you're not human. You have biases. But the mature person uh, is able to recognize their bias and make that a part of the conversation. This is why I want you to do that. And the real reason I want you to do that is because I want to get this. Now, it may be a great reason why that person, you know, would want to do that, but we can't remove the fact that I would benefit if this person does that. So those are just a couple things to keep in mind. Wisdom is imparted by the Holy Spirit through men and women. In other words, it comes through relationship. This is more than just imitating. And I'm going to give you these six things, but you need to understand the context of what I'm saying. There is a difference between imitating and receiving. You cannot imitate wisdom. You can receive wisdom. Let me explain the difference. When you imitate, you're following a pattern. You're producing a copy of something. Ephesians 5.1 says, therefore, become imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as, as well-beloved children imitate their father and walk continually in love. That is value one another, practice empathy and compassion, unselfishly seeking the best for others. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, uh, for you and gave himself up for us, and offering in a sacrifice to God slain for you so that you became a sweet fragrance. Listen to the words. He says, be imitators of God like children imitate fathers. So when we use the word children, we understand that we're talking about a person that is immature, whether in the natural sense or in the spiritual sense. It is someone that's immature. They haven't grown up. It's not a slight. It's not a judgment. We all start out immature as children. And in some areas of our life, yep, we still need to grow up in some areas. We do. I know we think we're, we're legends in our own mind. But the truth of the matter is put you in a relationship with somebody else, and you'll find out real quickly where you need to grow and change or where God is putting, applying pressure or inspiration for you to grow and change. But children imitate. Now, what Paul said is when he became a man, he put away childish things. So while it's okay for a child to imitate God or a godly person, and that is encouraged, as an adult, we must move beyond imitating to receiving and becoming 
so that we can produce out of ourselves in connection with God. So when we receive something, we actually act as a receptacle, a container for that thing. And we're actually assimilating a person's thoughts to our own. We're applying these thoughts to ourselves. That's why Paul says, let this mind be in you. Allow this mind. Receive this mind in you. Why? Because when that happens, then the potential for that thing to take root in you, and when something takes root in you, now it springs forth from you, and you actually become it, and now you are capable of producing, but now you're also capable of reproducing. God wants people that can reproduce. So it's not simply good enough to imitate. You can't imitate wisdom. You can imitate behavior. But the spirit of wisdom, you have to receive it, and you receive it in relationship. Luke eighteen seventeen says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God with faith and humility like a child will not enter it at all. So we have to receive the kingdom. We have to re- and, and the challenge is so many of us are trying to advance something that we haven't received. And that's why I believe we don't see some of the signs and miracles that we're all praying for, because we're trying to give and advance and declare what we have not received. You must receive. We must become a partaker of the, uh, of the, of the spirit and the flesh of Jesus Christ, the mind of Christ. That's why as often as we take communion, we're doing it in remembrance. We're reminding ourselves of him and what he's done for us. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I want to share with you a story in the Bible, because I think they're the strongest stories, about a man who needed wisdom and how he responded to it, how God changed him, and what happened. So to do that, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to uh, 2 Kings 5. And you guys know this story. I'm sure you've heard this story well. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to just show you six things in this story about wisdom and how wisdom works. Because if you want wisdom, you have to receive it. But when you also understand how it works, you're able to participate with it. You will grow faster in the things that you desire to grow in, not simply taking a class. But when you get mixed up, when you get in relationship with a person that possesses what you desire, not to imitate them, but to receive from them, before long what they have will transfer to you. I don't know when it happens. I know it does happen because that's what God says. He told, Jesus told Peter, if I don't wash for you, you won't have any part of me. So what he was saying is you must take part. You must be a partaker. You must receive me washing your feet. You must receive that for yourself. And so, again, it comes through relationship that we're able to receive. Now, there's the, the gift of the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and God can certainly impart wisdom to your spirit. When God imparts something to your spirit, it is either for you to pray about or for you to work out in relationship with another. Let me say that again. When God imparts something to you, and as I said last week, all of you, there is wisdom that accompanies God's, the passion and desire God has put in your heart, the work that he's given you to do. You will have a wisdom in that thing that I won't have. It's not like any of us have all wisdom or all understanding or all revelation. We don't. We each manifest an aspect of God's glory. So whatever the call of God on your life, whatever the assignment of God on your life, all of who you are, uh, God will use. Nothing will be wasted. But in addition, there is no wisdom that accompanies uh, that accompanies that assignment, that accompanies those that you're given to influence and that which you're given to work with. It comes with the gift, but we have to develop the gift. And so those who practice their gift most become most proficient. We, in, this, in the same in school, 
When you study, when you practice, you become proficient. And the knowledge you're working with, when that happens, the knowledge you're working with now becomes an integrated database, an integrated database. So as I used the example before, Pam is an attorney. Pam works with an integrated understanding of the law. I work with maybe a sentence of the law that is hardly integrated into a whole body of law that she studied and went to school to learn and practice and study the bar and all that other stuff. So now she has a working definition and operating um, uh, mentality concerning the law. I don't have a working definition of the law. I have the law. So in your area and why you must develop your area, your skill, your ability, because there is a wisdom that goes along with it, and that wisdom is necessary to influence the people that God has given you to influence. So study, practice, ask God what it is, and do it when nobody's looking. Practice it for an audience of one, Jesus. You know, and, and, and those things that you find yourself migrating to, the people that, you know, we can talk about how do you find that place, that passion, where God has imparted wisdom to you. You have wisdom because God wants to display an aspect of his glory through you. And so, yeah, maybe one day we can pray about it. But let me get this, this, this story to you and give you six things out of Naaman's story that will help us understand and break down how wisdom works and why you need relationship if you're going to receive wisdom apart from God just, again, imparting it to your spirit. And when he speaks to your spirit about wisdom, it is for you to pray about it or it is for you to work it out in a relationship that he has given you. So let's go to uh, 2 Kings 5. I'm going to read it. And this is the, um, let's see, I'll read it out of the Christian Standard Bible. It says, Naaman commander of the army for the king of Aram, was a man important to his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. Aram. The man was valiant, a valiant warrior, but he had a skin disease. Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served as who served. Naaman's wife. So, so this girl was Naaman's wife's maid. And in verse 3 it says, the, 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 uh, the servant girl said to her mistress, if only my master were with, it, with the prophet who was in Samaria, he could cure him of his skin disease. So Naaman went and told his master that the girl from the land of Israel had said, what the girl from the land of Israel had said. Therefore, the king of Aram said, go, and I will send a letter with you to the king of Israel. So he went and took with him 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, and it read, when this letter comes to you, note that I have sent you my servant Naaman for you to cure him of this skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore off his clothes and asked, Am I God, killing and giving life, that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease? Recognize that he is, only, he is picking a fight with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Have them come to me. And he will know there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Then Elisha sent him a messenger who said, Go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your skin will be restored, and you will be clean. But Naaman got angry and left, saying, I was telling myself, he will surely come out. Stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure this skin disease. Aren't Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in rage. But his servants approached him and said, 
My father, if the prophet had told you to do something, uh, to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do it when he tells you to wash and be clean? So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times according to the command of, the, of God, man of God. Then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. Then Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him and declared, I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives, in whose presence I stand, I will not accept it. Naaman urged him to accept it, but he refused. Naaman responded, if not, please let your servant be given as, given as much soil as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will not, no longer offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any other god but the Lord. However, in a particular matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master, the king of Aram, goes into the temple of Rimon to bow in, in worship while he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow in the temple of Rimon, when I bow in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. So he said to him, go in peace. And I'm just going gonna, gonna to stop there because it goes on to talking about Gehazi and what he did um, and that's that's another aspect to the story. But I want to stop it at verse 19, and I want to give you six things that happened in this story to show you how wisdom works. Wow. I wish I could see you guys' faces because, you know, we make the word of God, we make serving God complex. We send people through hurdles, but if we could just understand and have the substance of the spirit, the substance of what God is saying and how he's directing us, I think that some of the things that we suffer are unnecessary. I do think that there's a suffering appointed to the people of God, as Paul speaks about in Thessalonians. But I also think many of the things that you and I suffer are unnecessary, and in part because we just don't have the wisdom to know how to negotiate the relationship or the situation. And so these six things I wanted to show you specifically in these scriptures. For when I'm gone with you, you can take these six things back and measure it out yourself. But this, these six things you'll find when wisdom is working, these things are going to be taken into account. The first thing, wisdom, is it, it, it shows up in a seed or a thought. I, uh, it's a seed because seeds produce, thoughts produce. So the first thing wisdom offers is a thought. So what thought did wisdom offer naming? Well, it came through the maidservant, the girl, and what she said to him was, if only my master with the, were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. That was the thought that the servant told her mistress, who in turn told Naaman, the mistress was his wife, so in turn told Naaman what her servant had said. So the second thing wisdom evaluates is the soil or the soul. Where is the seed going? What is the condition of the soul? And there were two conditions of Naaman's soul. The first condition was one of pleasure. Verse 4 or 5 says, So Naaman went and told his master what the girl from the land of Israel said, and, and therefore the king, and, and he went to his master. So what did he do? He did something with that word because Naaman was under authority. So he couldn't just go to the king of Israel and just ask for the prophet. He had to be released by his king. And so he, the first thing he did was went to the king because he understood protocol. He went to the king, got permission to go, and the king even wrote a letter to the king of Israel asking him or basically telling him, deliver my servant from this skin disease. And so that happened in verse 4 or 5. So the second thing wisdom is looking at is the soul, the condition of the soul. And like so many of us, when we get a word, when we get a thought, 
it delights our soul, particularly when we hear positive words and we hear things like, you know, you know, you know, the wealth of the wicked is being transferred or, you know, your door is about to, and I'm not, please understand, I'm not judging, I'm not putting, condemning those words. I'm just trying to get you to see or at least appreciate that when we hear a positive word, our soul leaps with joy. It is natural. It is human to do that. And then the third thing that wisdom does, it imparts truth. So now we have a seed or a thought that's put into the atmosphere, and then we have a soul, in this case Naaman, who received it and took the word to his king who released him and sent letters. And and so now he is there. Now Naaman has gone, and now he is went to the, went to, uh, the king. And the king is now, he is, he is beside himself because he's not the healer. He's not the, he's not the prophet of God, and yet he is being told, look, you need to heal this guy. And, and so much was he, you know, um, feeling some sort of way about this request. And the Bible says he tore his clothes off. So he understood the gravity of the request. If he didn't deliver you know, there were potentially consequences. He tore his clothes off, so you know it must have been serious for him to tear his clothes off and, and really, you know, just cry out to God. And we heard what he was thinking. What, you think I'm God? You think I have the power to kill and give life? We heard his thoughts. So he was evaluating himself in relationship to God and in doing so tore off his clothes because he recognized he wasn't God. And so truth comes. Truth comes. So the next thing is truth. So what truth came to Naaman? The truth that comes to the soul, the truth that came to Naaman is in verse 10 through 12. Then Elisha sent a messenger to him who said, go dip seven times in the Jordan and your skin will be restored and you will be clean. That's the light. That's the truth. That was following that instruction would have produced the result that Naaman desired. But Naaman's soul condition, now a deeper level of his soul was revealed. So, so see, wisdom isn't just concerned with what you say. Wisdom isn't just concerned with your first response. Wisdom isn't even concerned with your second response. Wisdom wants to get to the heart of your soul, the heart of the matter, because wisdom understands the only true and lasting change must take place at the heart or the root level. So what was Naaman, what was revealed in Naaman? When the truth came, it offended him. It offended his pride. Jesus one time said, what, are you offended? And talked about he will, God will offend the mind to get to the heart, to get what's really going on. And so here's what Naaman's response was when, in verse 11. He said, Naaman got angry and left, saying, I was telling myself, surely he would come out. In other words, doesn't he know I'm, I'm a commander? I'm, the, I'm, I'm second in charge to the king of Aram. Doesn't he know that I win victories? You, you, heard, you saw all that at the, as they introduced Naaman. He was a great man. And now he's saying, I'm thinking to myself, surely this prophet's going to come out and see me and stand and call on the name of the Lord in my presence and wave his hand over the place, not over me, but over the place, and cure this skin disease. And then he goes even further. He says, aren't the rivers of Abana and Farpar of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I just wash in them and be clean? So the Bible says he turned and left enraged. So the true condition of Naaman's soul was not pleasure at being healed. He wanted to be healed, but he didn't like the method. He didn't like the insinuation. He didn't like uh, the fact that who he was was being challenged, who he believed himself to be was being challenged. And nevertheless, after uh, it says that 
Um, but his servants approached him. His servants approached him. And this was after he left in rage. The Bible says in verse 13 that his servants approached him. And, I mean, this is so loving because one of the things that needs to happen, you know, water is, you know, it's, to me, water is symbolic about the love of the love of God. I teach about that all the time. If you read my book, Face It With Love, The Guide to Conquering Fear, the analogy of water to love is incredible to me. And so in verse 13, God didn't give up on Naaman. He sent love. He sent his servants who approached him. And listen to how they entreated him, my father. They didn't preach, approach him as a peer. They didn't approach him as, dude, don't you understand? That's the prophet of God. You need to go do what he said. But they said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do it when he tells you, when he only tells you, wash and be clean? So that was the real problem with Naaman. He thought he was clean, that the leprosy was just an attack from the devil. You know how we guys do it? We're good. It's just the devil attacking me. But his servants lovingly told him, Naaman, just wash and be clean. But when you think you are clean, when you think you have an answer, you're not looking for one. And so that's the last thing Naaman wanted to hear. But he received his servants. Oh, this is so important. Because sometimes we think wisdom can only come uh, top down. Most often wisdom will come bottom up. It can come from top down and it can come from side to side. But I think God enjoys choosing the foolish things to confound the wise according to earthly wisdom. So his servants who loved him and cared about him challenged him. And in verse 14, the Bible says that Naaman submitted to his servant. He went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times according to the command of God. Then his skin was restored, and he became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. He was clean. This great man humbled himself to receive the word of his servant. And the issue, the heart of the matter is, see, the prophet is not only concerned about the outward conditions of a person. They're concerned about the inward condition of a person. God wanted the soul of Israel. God wants the soul of his people. Jesus came to redeem humanity. The greatest insult we can offer God is when we withhold our humanity, when we withhold our soul, because we think we are already clean. Oh, my gosh. And then number five, you know, once you're clean, you know, you need oxygen. You need a a, a, a breath, you know, you need breath. You need, you need, it, there's a forgiveness. See, when Naaman became clean, he understood then he was dirty. When the leprosy left is when he understood that he was dirty. And at that point, he wanted forgiveness. And so it's interesting because he says uh, in verse 15, Naaman and his whole company, the servants and all, went back to the man of God and stood before him and declared, I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept this gift. And it goes on to say that Elijah refused the gift. Uh, Elijah refused the gift. Um, and then the Bible says this, and, and this, is, this is the forgiveness piece that comes. It says in verse 17, Naaman responded. If not, if not, if you won't receive the gift, then please let your servant be given as much as soil and a pair of mules, and I can carry it, for your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings or sacrifice to any other God but the Lord. However, here it comes, in a particular matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. See, now Naaman knew he was dirty, made clean. But he also understood that some of the activities going forward that he would engage in would dirty him. So watch what he says. This is the wisdom of God at work. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't Naaman's just natural thinking. Please understand, this is the wisdom of God at work in this man. And he says this, however, in a particular matter, 
May the Lord pardon your servant. When my master, the king of Aram, goes into the temple of Rimon and bows down and worships while he is leaning on my arm and I have to bow in the temple of Rimon, when I bow in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord forgive your servant in this matter. So wisdom will always produce a fruit of forgiveness when it's received. Wisdom doesn't come to condemn. Remember I said in the beginning that we can ask God for wisdom and he gives it to us without finding reproach. He's not trying, he wasn't trying to find fault with Naaman. He just wanted Naaman to be clean at the root level. And so when wisdom is engaged in your life, there's going to be an impartation of a thought. It's going, and that thought is going to impact your soul. And most often when that wisdom or when that word is positive, you know, we're going to receive it with joy. We're going to receive it with joy. But if it's an area that you have no root and God wants to put a root, then that, that joy is going to spring up. That seed is going to spring up. And that's why relationship is so important. See, as mad as uh, Naaman got, he didn't abandon the relationships that God had given to him. He didn't abandon his servant. The Bible says he went away angry, but his servant stayed right with him. And he didn't tell his servants, go away. But he listened to his servant. And I believe Naaman's redemption was in his servant's ability and their love to redirect Naaman. And because Naaman stayed in relationship, he got, he was able to get what he came for. Why? Because Naaman's soul, the, the, the crux of it, it was proud and he thought he was clean and didn't and wasn't dirty. This was just something happening to him, but it wasn't him and it's just an attack. And, you know, that's how we needed to deal with it. But when he was made whole, when he followed the instruction and the outcome was as he desired, he understood that he had been dirty and now had been made clean. And then also forgiveness is always a part of wisdom because we're going to get it wrong sometimes. We're going to mess up. We're going to follow instructions to the best we can, and we're going to miss it here or there. But the love of God, the forgiveness of God prevails. Mercy will triumph in the soul that seeks to please God. And the last thing, and I talked about this, his servants, are nutrients. Wisdom always functions with nutrients or people. People. Christianity is meant to be done in relationship. Wisdom is meant to be received in your spirit and your soul, but it gets worked out in relationship. There's so many other stories where wisdom gets worked out through relationship. You recall Solomon and two, the two women. One baby died, one baby was alive. They went to before Solomon, and Solomon simply said, okay, I'll just cut the baby in half, and you can have half. And the real heart, the real mother said, I'd rather be without my child than suffer my child to death. And, they, and, and Solomon said, that's the real mother. Same with Jesus at the well with the woman. He had quite a discourse with her. You saw wisdom. You saw her soul, like Naaman, react in objection initially. But as she stayed in the relationship, her soul was changed such that she desired what Jesus had and went on and told people about it. You will gain wisdom. You can ask for it, and he will give it to you liberally. But at some point, the wisdom God gives you must be worked out in relationship. That is God's methodology for changing souls. All of us have blind spots. All of us don't see necessarily how we're impacting or how we're, other people are experiencing us. And so we have to have people in our life that will be honest with us. I don't need yes men around me. I don't. I don't, even, I, I don't enjoy them. Why? Because they're not helping me become who God would have me to be. And so the only way that happens is if there are people in your life that can object to you and object to what you're thinking, not you personally, but what you're thinking or, or how are you thinking about this or let me, have you considered this? And sometimes I find in the body of Christ we reach a certain place and it's like we're untouchable. It's like only certain people can speak into my life. I have yet to find that scripture in Jesus' ministry. I have yet to find that scripture. In fact, I find Jesus receiving from people 
and it's people that will help you become who you are. Not that you need them. Not that you need them. You don't. You can't live as you need. You're not dependent on people. But people are in your life for different reasons, and they're there. One of the reasons is to help you display the aspect of God's glory in your life like nobody's business. And so just I encourage you. And, Father, I thank you right now for your word. I ask you, Father God, that as, as your people take these scriptures and this story and and pair it and unpack it for themselves, God, that wisdom, God, would begin to take place in their soul. Lord, that they would not withhold themselves, Lord, in relationships that you have given them. I pray you give them wisdom to discern safe people and unsafe people. I pray that you would give them placeholders that can handle the areas of their life that are not quite lining up with you, but God, that are holding the tension so that they can become who you said they are. Lord, I call forth the aspect of your glory in each one of these on the on this line right now. Father God, that which you have already declared redeemable in them, redeem it. I declare in Jesus' name, Father God, that when we were young, we did as children. We imitated, and we served you the way we want. We imitated different people that we admired. We copied them. And, Lord, today I declare and I thank you that copying is no longer enough for us that call us mature, that you want us to receive, produce, reproduce, and become the very word that we speak. And so, Father God, I pray that this bride emerge from us, God, that you develop us into this thing, and that your love, above all, would reign supreme. I thank you for the wisdom that comes from you, God. I thank you, Father God, that your wisdom, God, is pure. It's without mixture, Father God, and it's peaceful, God. It's easy to be received, God. It was easy for Naaman, Father God, to receive his servants because it was wisdom. And, Father God, I thank you that it was easy for him to receive this servant girl because she was participating in the process of wisdom. I thank you that the prophet was contributing and participating in the process of wisdom. All of these are aspects of the process of wisdom in our life. And I thank you that wisdom, your wisdom, when wisdom comes, it is open to reason. I thank you that Naaman was open to the reasoning of his servants, God. Oh, Lord, your wisdom. Wisdom is on display in that story, God. And, Lord, your mercy to Naaman was on display, God. And the good fruit of healing, God, and testimony and turning his heart to you was also on display. I thank you that it was impartial and it was sincere because you were after Naaman's soul. And, Lord, I thank you that you got what you came for, what wisdom set out to obtain, it acquired. And so I thank you today, Father. I bless you for all these on the line. I release the wisdom of God into their life. I release the love of God and the grace of God to be able to discern when they are in the presence of wisdom, God. Lord, I just bless you, Lord, for every thought that comes from wisdom. I thank you and I praise you, God, in Jesus' name, Lord, for everything that comes from wisdom, Lord. I thank you that all these things will work together for this people because they love you and have been called. And so finally, God, I just thank you for the thought. I thank you for the souls that represent the soil, that the seed of thoughts of wisdom are planted. I thank you for the truth, Lord, that wisdom brings forth and the love and forgiveness and the company of people, God, to bring us to destiny in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amy? Can you hear me? I can hear you. I tell you what, that is amazing to hear the depth of what wisdom brings. And, you know, before we get on the call, we pray ahead of time. And today we had the topic of of wisdom. And what was amazing to me was that, you know, typically we, we take turns praying but we all entered in to laughter and praise the entire time, submitting to one another without 
human effort. We had, you know, we've set a groundwork of love between us when we pray ahead of time. And I thought it was just remarkable that, you know, I didn't know exactly what you were going to be speaking on, but to know that, you know, as we were worshiping and, and as we were entering into prayer, it's as if we didn't need words because we had begun to to just submit to one another. And as you were teaching tonight, it just brought that together to me because as the servant wanted wanted healing but wasn't willing to, to humble himself or, or hadn't considered humbling himself. And as I had written out that today, you know, we we're going to focus on wisdom and to see that the basic piece of wisdom first is bringing ourselves and where we're at and, and being able to receive and humble ourselves and that it doesn't come the way um, we always think or desire. And so I just, it was so remarkable to know that basically (laughs) that seeing the humility that needs to come to receive anything, to receive anything, to receive wisdom, to see God display that, even as we were getting on the call and preparing the way and then for you to to teach and, and just to see that even to receive wisdom how we need relationship and how we need humility and, and just relationship where someone can say to you, Hey, have you, have you considered um, the matter? Have, have you thought about where you stand with gentleness and with love and, and, and not necessarily in the order of hierarchy um, as you displayed tonight, as you taught tonight. So I just think that that is incredible, um, the way God does that. And, oh, my goodness, it's such a good teaching. And I know that you're going to continue <laughs> next week, so I look forward to it because this was amazing tonight. And I, I don't know about you, but I am going to be replaying. And if you would like to replay, I'd like to go ahead and, and just thank you for being on the call tonight and give you the replay number um, so you can replay and and send it to those who might also want to listen. So if you are ready, the number for the replay for tonight, it's 605-475-4980, and then you will dial 341-000-POUND. And then the reference for tonight is 142 pound. And I just want to thank you for being on the line with us tonight. Um, On behalf of Kim Moore and myself, we love you, and we look forward to hearing you next week. God bless you.